I'm a handshake and tater. I'm a spud with a play. I'm a miracle that's great day by day. I ain't your average quitter. I don't put up with golf. I'm doing the best I can. The drunk tater. Good morning, Utah. Welcome to Path Forward Utah with Bob McEntee here, where we discuss um, current events, both in the state. We try to focus on some things in the state and also in the nation. So well-rounded, a well-rounded show. Uh, and there's plenty of news this week. Oh, my goodness, because I'm with you. It airs every Friday morning, 10 to 11, and then the podcast is, is live shortly thereafter. Um, so today, if you turn on your TV... Or if you go to web pages, what, what are you going to see? You're going to see, I guess it depends which network. If you're looking at the networks I see, and I, I look at somewhat well-rounded, I'll look at Fox Business News, CNBC, they're, they're kind of my go-tos, right? Because the market tells you if anything's really wrong very quickly. But some of the headlines are pushing. Fox is really pushing, you know, when there's not a Republican as president, they take keen note of our border. And why does a nation need a border? You know, well... I look at it this way. If we're not, if we don't have an enforced border, we're, we're just an international park, right? And in fact, we're an international park with benefits. So why wouldn't you come? <laughs> I mean, if you're in some uh, other country, which President Trump had a nickname for some of those less desirable countries, I won't repeat it here. But if you're down at, you know, worrying about gang violence or drug cartel violence in Mexico or Guatemala, El Salvador. I mean, there's a big incentive to come here just, just for safety, right? Because you're like, even our detention centers might be better than living in fear of the cartels. Um, of course, unfortunately for people, fear of the cartels doesn't go away when you cross the U.S. border. In fact, I heard that the, you know, the young girls that, that pay for their voyage here by, by they agree to, pro, I don't know how much they agree, but they're going to be prostituted until they pay off their debt to the cartel. They wear a bracelet to remind them that they are owned by the cartel. So there's a, a lot of discussion about slavery and reparations, but we have basically sex slavery going on in the U.S. every day, and all we're doing is encouraging it. We're, we're, we're paying for it. We're subsidizing it. Children in sex slavery in the United States, that's what an open border is. Uh, we don't want that, right? We don't want that anywhere. But uh, whatever you subsidize here, I've got this written in my notes here in green bold, so this is important. Whatever you tax, get less of. Whatever you subsidize, you get more of. So if we're going to pay food and benefits and future citizenship to people that come across the border any which way, we're going to get more of it. That's why our borders overrun. Um, the Biden administration won't call it a crisis, even though Obama called it a crisis when it wasn't this bad, right? So they're kind of in denial. Um, but then, the, you know, the president has other problems. And I, I don't just mean dealing with China, who laughed in our face this week. But I mean, he he fell down the ramp on Air Force One, which I'll grant you, those things can be tricky, especially if they're a little bit wet or something like that. But don't we all have a few concerns about how, how old this guy is? And, you know, when someone's 78, they break a bone. It's not like when you're 40 and you break a bone. It's uh, it can be bad. Right. So so you better warm up President Harris recitations so you can be ready for for when that day comes. But, but we'll hold off on that. Let's go back to the border. If we're offering free medicine, free food, free school, you know, we're, well, number one, we're going to go bankrupt quicker. I don't know how we're not bankrupt already. It, 
it's it's amazing actually that we're 28 trillion in debt. Don't forget that U.S. debt clock website, kind of a fun one to keep up on current monetary events there. But we we just don't want to invite all that here. We don't want to invite people coming for the freebies. And they're going to be all looking for jobs, too. They Sure, they want the whatever check they can get from the government or whatever food handout, but they also want uh, jobs, right? Which, good for them. They want a job. That's good. But it depresses wages for U.S. citizens. Now, if we have gaping holes in our labor force that we need to fill, then that's the time for legitimate immigration, right? And we, and we want to check them for disease, too, don't we? I mean, are they bringing in COVID-19? Are they bringing in COVID-21 that we don't even know about yet? You know, that's worse that, that the vaccine, maybe maybe you're worse off if you get the vaccine. That's a theory, by the way. Some people theorize if there's COVID variants in the future, this, this vaccine could possibly make it worse. We'll see. Our vaccines are the mRNA ones. They're different. Like the Russian vaccine is a more traditional one. It doesn't, it doesn't change how your DNA operates. These vaccines change how your DNA operates. And it's kind of a one-way change. You can't, you can't go change it back. Uh, just a footnote there. I always like talking about vaccines. Um, now, big business sometimes likes this, this immigration, right? If, if we have unrestricted immigration, that means you can keep wages low, right? Which might be important because President Biden wants to raise the corporate tax rate. Uh, oh, those rich corporate fat cats, right? Let's, let's stick it to them. They're getting away with, well, the fact is who pays for corporate tax hikes? Anybody want to guess? Well, you as the consumer are going to pay with higher prices, and you as an employee are probably going to pay because you're, you know, they can't give you as much bonus. They can't give you as much 401k. They're not going to get the great health plan because now they got to shave costs, keep costs down because they get a bigger tax bill. So we all end up paying. It kind of, it's kind of like an invisible tax on you, these corporate tax hikes, because a little bit harder to get a job, a little bit less good benefits at your job, less, less pay hikes, less job security. Versus if we go the other way and we have a more uh, internationally competitive tax, that's gonna that's gonna give us an advantage, right? Like like Ireland, companies jumped into Ireland because they had the lowest taxes in Europe, right? Still a nice place. They don't really get into wars in Ireland. They have a lot of nice pubs, you know, seashore, all that stuff. So it was very attractive. So companies went there. U.S. companies went there, and we want to be that guy. We want to be reasonably competitive. So you have to watch out when these things that sound good, like, yeah, tax the rich, soak it for the corporations. Well, you're paying the bill for the corporations. Okay. Just FYI on that. Um, now, the other thing about a porous border is it's not great for national defense, is it? You know that it's not, you got drug trafficking, sex trafficking, you know, money laundering, and you don't know if sleeper cells are coming in. You, you don't know if somebody's bringing a nuke or just a, a family of immigrants across the border in their, in their Yukon or whatever, you know, and there's holes where you can just drive a vehicle straight through. I don't know if you've seen the, where the, the Trump wall was going up, like they removed the old wall, but they hadn't put it in. And when Biden became president, he said, stop all that. So they stopped. So there's like this 300 yard hole in the border with, with nothing, no barbed wire fence, no speed bump, nothing. Just, you could just come right through and you'd think they'd patrol it, but they've, they've kind of got orders to, to not enforce it very much. And then their places are full, right? So they are messing this up and they need to hear from the people, you know, and Democrats need to hear from U.S. citizens, Democrats and Republicans that, you know, you guys can't allow this. We can't be an international park with benefits. We need, we need to have a border for defense because those sleeper cells 
They could be Iranians, Koreans, meaning North Koreans coming in, anybody, Chinese, whatever. And they could they could set up weapons here. They could set up nukes they want to go off, or they could just put stuff in our electrical system. And we're a pretty open country anyway. They can get in if they really want to. But one interesting thing I found, the Border Patrol tells us, you know, it, it's not just South Americans and Central Americans coming in. They found uh, Arabic Korans in the desert, abandoned. So that tells you some of the people looking to come into our inter international park with benefits are, are from the Middle East, okay? And we don't know what their mission is or their goal is here because, you know, Middle Eastern people, they get paid for living there. If you're a Kuwaiti citizen, you, you get paid like 50, 75,000 a year. So you're, you're not hurting, right? That's why they don't need to come here. So if they are coming here, why is that? Uh, if they're from Africa, I might understand it better. Now, who's got a good border? And does it do them any good? Well, I'll give you an example. Switzerland, they've got a great defensible border. They got the mountains. They, they guard their passes. Every military-aged man, meaning 18 to 60-year-olds in Switzerland, is issued uh, an automatic weapon from the government. And there has not been an invasion there in over a 1,000 years. And their money is sound. Their banking is good. It's a safe country. People like to vacation there. They like to just visit. Um, they like to keep their money there. It's a very safe country. And they're, and they're neutral, right? So that's very attractive. But good borders deter invasion. They deter smuggling. They deter crime. Our Canadian border, you know, there doesn't seem to be as much traffic there. Um, there's definitely some supervision, but it's just not the same issue as we have going on at the southern border. Um, now, there's a lot of talk. Well, we can use, it's, it's the 21st century, Bob. We can use um, electronic means to guard the border. Well, those are great when they work. They can be countered. Anything electronic can be jammed. It can be taken out by other means. You know, all you got to do is watch some fun shows to see that you can take stuff out. But also, if a nuclear EMP or a solar event takes out our grid, like happened in Texas, then your, your electronic fence is down. So you always need a physical fence to back it up. I mean, both is good, right? If you're trying to protect your house, if you got a burglar alarm with uh, sensors, you, you also have a front door, right? And we're we're kind of missing the front door on our southern border. Now, I don't mean the back door. We don't have a front door. I think I think you want a front door. You just invite trouble if you don't have one of those. And uh, after the coming up break here, we'll be able to talk about energy policy. Uh, have you noticed the gas prices out there lately? And, and why are they going up? Well, let's let's talk about that when we get back. Forward Utah with your host Bob McEntee today and you know we talked a little bit before about the need for a nation to have borders right because are you a nation if you don't have borders I don't think so but you know what also a nation needs to be to be viable is it is a good energy policy you know we we depend on energy we don't here in Utah I think we know if we just burned a bunch of wood for our heat and cooking oh my gosh we'd choke ourselves to death right it's down here on the Wasatch Front we we get those inversions and whatever we emit from our cars or from our wood stoves, it, it kind of hangs around a while. Eventually it'll clear out. But in the meantime, you know, your lungs, your lungs are a great wet filter. They, 
they catch whatever's in the air, there's going to be some of that in your lungs. That's, that's just how that works. And some people take it better than others. But energy policy, have you noticed the price of gas, right? It's, it was just a little below $3 last, I mean, like $2.99 and nine tenths, right? And this week, it's, it's over. It's, um, I've seen $3.10, $3.20 a gallon. Um, well, we didn't allow any more drilling on federal land, and it's, it's already catching up with us. And then Russia and OPEC, they're like the two biggest oil producers. The Russians, well, Russia used to be the number one oil producer. Everybody thought it was like Saudi Arabia, but no, Saudi Arabia, they, they hold it back a little bit because they want the price up there. But the Russians were cranking it out because they want the hard currency. They want your money. But we became, the United States became the biggest um, oil developer. We, we, we got the most out of the ground and we, and we started being an exporter instead of just an importer, which, which keeps more of our money in the country, which gives us good jobs, which lets Guys driving trucks in North Dakota that, you know, with maybe just a high school education, they can make a six-figure income because they're willing to go up there to North Dakota and battle the cold and mosquitoes. People that talk funny. But it, it's great for the economy when you're energy independent, but we're no longer energy independent, unfortunately. And this is going to affect you. So, you know, again, we need the right mix of policies. Now, there was a bill here in Utah. It was a pet peeve of mine. I'm so glad it was defeated. House Bill 209 that would have quintupled the extra fee on uh, hybrid plug-in vehicles. Well, that failed. And, and I'm glad it failed because, you know, that does help the clean air. And we want people paying their fair share. And arguably, they already were. So no need for a 500% increase. But I'm, I'm glad that went down. But, you know, you got to watch it here because there's a lot of zombie bills, right? These zombies like to resurrect themselves the next year and come back, right? And this time, now they made the deals like, hey, you support my tax hike, I'll support your or whatever. Well, we don't want that one coming back. But as more and more people buy these plug-in hybrids and EVs, I think I think they'll push back against uh, excessive hikes. I think people don't mind paying their fair share. And I talked with one legislator last night, actually. We had a sit-down meeting at a gentleman's house. But he understands, you know, well, tires, you can buy them anywhere. They, they sell tires in Idaho, Wyoming, Nevada, Arizona, wherever you're traveling. And we also don't want a big tire tax that makes people not want to change their tires, right? But maybe a modest one. And I think a tire tax is not such a horrible idea because it's kind of fair. It, it indicates how much you drive and how much load is on your vehicle, right? A little Toyota Prius doesn't wear out the tires as much as, you know, an F-350. But again, you want to avoid excessive taxation because he's like, well, about $100 a tire would do it. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's not, that's too much. You know, that's just now, I don't know what the sweet spot is. Is it five bucks? Is it 10? You know, something like that. And granted, some of those miles are probably out of state. So we don't want to, it could just be part of the solution for our transportation bucket. Uh, bucket. Another solution is don't spend $350 million on a train line if nobody's going to ride it, right? Because that's what they're setting up to do. So we don't want to tax all the vehicles just to build, you know, the train to nowhere. But uh, watch for that next year. There's always bills on transportation, and we want to we want to be wise with our money. Um, what else is going on with the environment? Well, I like my solar panels, right? But they're not going to cover everything, right? They don't work at night. Batteries are expensive. In fact, I thought about something. You know, a Tesla battery, there's like a four to six month wait to get a Tesla wall battery to use with your solar panels because for many systems, if if the regular power goes down, you know, somebody drives into a power pole and shuts your power down, you can't use your solar, right, unless you have a battery because 
they require power to work. It's kind of odd. I don't know the engineering requirement, but that's how most of them are. Not all, but most require power to work. Again, kind of funny. But once you get the battery, you can keep going. Now, if the sun's out, you can you can make energy, you can use it, you can store a little bit in your battery, but they are super expensive. And it hit me because a Tesla wall battery is around, the price has gone up now to $14,000. It's just 10 kilowatts. That's like, you use that in, you know, about a third of your regular day. It's not a lot. But I realized a used Nissan Leaf with a 30 kilowatt battery, you can get an older one of those for like six grand. <laughs> so not even half the price and triple, triple the storage. These batteries, man, there's high demand. But if for the rich people that can afford it, uh, and there are some tax subsidies, it's, it's nice. But we need to look at other forms of energy to keep our electricity safe, reliable, and available. Now, coal, coal is a really good source of electricity, but it's not the most efficient. It's not the cleanest, even though they tell me there's clean coal. Kind of hard to believe. I've seen coal burn. I'm sure you can put a filter, but... Do they always filter? I don't know. If you go by the chemical plants, you'll see they discharge their nasty at night. You know, that's what they do. <laughs> they would, Just watch them. You know, look down on the Wasatch Front and you'll see the sun goes down. You get the, the plumes come up because they don't want you seeing what they're expelling. Um, now, I'm just saying this because new nuclear is smaller, safer, tested to shut itself down. It's carbon free, uh, very little waste. Who'd be against that? You know, I. I think we need to look at that, especially if we build it to be EMP hardened. Um, I spoke with a Democrat lady last week, too, and, and she is Representative uh, Lester. I'll tell you her name because she, she wants her name out there, and she's a retired Air Force doctor. Um, she almost is a surprise to be in the legislature because what happened was that the lady that, that won the election for House District 10, she was 85 years old. And between the time of the election and getting sworn in, which is only like, I don't know, couple of months, she passed away. And so this lady got installed, right? She had barely any time, but, you know, she jumped in and she, and she's trying to do good. She's a Democrat, so she's a little handicapped in a, in a GOP state. But she, her Air Force background and her husband's Air Force, got an Air Force background too, um, she became very interested in the hard and the grid, the idea that we need to protect our power supply from the sun, or from an enemy with a conventional or, or nuclear weapon to take out our grid, which is, we're very vulnerable to that. We could totally be blackmailed. Um, but that brings me to my red bold on my notes, the only red bold I have. If you have a friend in Texas or family, listen up. You should really tell them to support Senate Bill 1606. What's Senate Bill 1606? That is uh, retired Air Force Captain Bob Halls, now Texas State Senator Bob Hall. He's an Air Force veteran, too. The Air Force knows about this threat. Let me just say, they are, seem to be the best informed on the EMP threat or the solar threat to our power grid. And he's been, he's been beating the drum for like a decade. we got to harden the grid. And now there's a little sympathy in Texas for this idea because their grid went down. People froze to death, right? About 60 people died because of the, the grid down situation in Texas. And Apparently, billions of dollars in economic loss, right? Because they, they couldn't run the refineries. They couldn't do all of what they do in Texas with the grid down. So Senate Bill 1606 would harden the Texas power grid against all threats, make it resilient to most weather. I mean, I'd say all weather, but not all circumstances of all weather. Uh, 
Cat 5 hurricane still could mess you up, right? But if you know a Texan, tell them to call their state house rep. It's He's actually got 22 co-sponsors in the Senate, which is already enough to make it veto-proof, right? It's going to pass the Texas Senate. The question has always been the House. So, you know, if you know uh, leadership down there or activists, uh, this is a must-pass bill. Senate Bill 1606, this is the time to do it. you got to strike while the iron's hot. People still remember it was no fun with the power down. So we want Texas to do it because then it'll it'll FOMO will kick in, fear of missing out. The Utah will say, hey, well, maybe we should do that. So will California. And so will, you know, plus there's an economic benefit. Companies might move their their plants or their servers there. So that's a big one. Texas Senate Bill 1606, support it. And when we get back, we'll talk about some Utah stuff. The Utah State GOP conventions coming up and your county conventions coming up. We'll talk about that after the break. Welcome back to Path Forward Utah, our Friday edition with Bob McAtee here talking about national and state issues. And let's dive into the the Utah politics for a minute and current events, what's going on there. Um, We've got upcoming our state and county conventions. Now, often, usually, your county convention is before the state convention, but not always. Everybody has until, is it the end of August or the 1st of August? I think you have till the end of August. It's got to be done by September 1st, but we never stretch it that far, typically. Uh, So this year, the state convention is May 1st. And what's up for grabs at that state convention? Well, there's, there can always be um, constitutional changes, not the state, but the, the party constitution or bylaws or resolutions, or you could change the platform, which only the delegates can do. The state central committee, which is the governing body, uh, they can't do that. Only the delegates can. And I'm, I'm both on the state central committee and a delegate. Um, we also are going to elect our party officers, right? So in the even years, we have the elections, right, for the, the all the people running for public office. But in the odd years, we have the elections for our state party leaders, both and, and county as well, right? So you're going to get a new chair, vice, secretary, treasurer at your county level, plus some some have other jobs like education officer, um, different jobs, parliamentarian. At the state level, you know, we have the the, the four positions. We've got chair, vice chair. Treasurer Secretary. And this year, you know, now Derek Brown just announced this last week, he's the current chair, that he's not going to run again. And he's been really pretty well liked. Uh, not everybody liked everything he did, but personally, he's he, it's hard to be upset with him, right? He's a uh, uh, pretty moderate, reasonable guy as far as dealing with person. But he did, uh, he did suspend the caucus, right? We didn't elect new delegates. We just kind of recycled the old ones, right? So they've been in there a while. And some are, if they move, they can't be a delegate anymore. Uh, some some resign because it just doesn't seem like that much trouble. But, you know, they just don't want to do it anymore for that long. And and they get replaced unless they can't be replaced. But uh, so the 4,000-ish delegates will, the plan A right now for May 1st is a virtual convention. However, now that Governor Cox signed the law that says the mask mandate is over as of April 10th. Isn't that interesting? So maybe they could do an in-person one. But up until now, no one would book over 500 people, right? Because that violated the whatever COVID restrictions. 
But now, while Plan A is still a virtual convention, which eh, I don't know. I don't know how that would go. There's a chance that Zoom could be better, but I kind of doubt it. So hopefully we get the in-person or maybe a hybrid. They've been doing hybrids now. But who's going to run for chair? Well, that's a big question. Um, Greg Hughes had been approached, and he has turned it down at least three times, maybe not with like full force, but he's convinced me he doesn't want to be chair. And it might be a downgrade for him to go from Speaker of the House to Chair of the Party could be considered a downgrade. Um, although also people like him, they, he'd probably win. But the treasurer, the current treasurer, Mike Bird, is running for chair. And I've, but I've heard rumors. We're all, it's, I don't know that there's a documented list out there of who's running yet. It's kind of all rumors and question marks. And I've heard Aaron Starks, he was the former vice chair, that he might run for chair. But I've heard more maybe vice chair. Um, now he's, he's of a different, he's more divisive to some. At least he ran for house, didn't make it uh, because the, the former occupant of that house seat, uh, Kim Coleman, uh, endorsed another guy, right? So did the Utah platform Republicans PAC, which looks to endorse candidates that are going to stick with the Utah platform uh, like they really should, but at least who will stick to it the best. And that was Jordan Tusher. Uh, yep, that's how you say it. Jordan Tusher, he got elected. Uh, he did a pretty good job this year in the in the house. Um, as far as sticking to the platform. And in fact, the Utah Platform Republicans PAC, uh, which you, you just Google that, you're going to find us on Facebook or the, or the website. We endorsed seven people um, that we got into the House and Senate, which was a pretty successful thing for us. And, and they did pretty well, really. Uh, they vary a little bit, but some were just knockouts. They just, you know, 99% adhesion to the platform, which is, which is great. Now, for chair, though, let's go back to the state party for a minute. Those, that's May 1st. It's a Saturday. It's normal to be on a Saturday. And I think it's going to be a two-day convention because we've discovered a lot of delegates. They don't want to hang around for the wrangling over bylaws and constitution. That sort of thing. They just want to vote for chair and hit the road, right? They want to go. It's nice weather. They want to go do something. Well, that's been a problem because if somebody makes a motion, hey, let's throw all the business in the ditch, they go, yeah, let's throw all the business in the ditch so nothing ever changes. We can't change our constitution by the constitution without the delegates. So if they just want to skip out, we need people that will do the business. But what's been proposed this year, and I, I Kim Coleman is the chair of the convention. And I like her idea that we're gonna have a two day convention. Day one is eat your vegetables. It's go through the bylaws, the constitution, all the business, all the stuff we wrangle over and amend and people roll their eyes and get tired, go get something to eat, that's fine. But those that are really interested in what's going to be best for the party, they're going to stick around. They're going to bait. They're going to vote on it. And then day two is kind of just for, you know, the Hollywood type delegates, right? They just want to come in, vote for who's going to be chair and leave. Okay. Um, I think that's a good move to divide it up that way. I trust Kim Coleman to run it well. Uh, the electronic voting is still slightly creepy to me. I'd, I'd rather use paper. Um, I tried to get that passed last term, but, but it, it didn't quite pass. It was really close. Um, and this year, if, we're, if we are doing a virtual one, well, then paper's kind of out of there, you know, so we're going to have to do the online voting. They tell me it's it's so that you're going to have like this ID thing, whether you vote by laptop or cell phone or tablet, it's going to know that you voted. And so you won't be able to vote twice. So, OK, let's let's hope that's right now. Ideally, it's verifiable. You can take your code and look up how was my vote counted and how did it tally? That's what you want to see. 
But a lot of people did not know because a lot of people don't dig. The delegates should know that like our current chair, again, very likable, not a bad guy, pretty good chair. He raised a lot of money, like a million dollars. He did a great job on that. But Derek Brown is a lobbyist. So he's pretty good at calling in money favors, right? He's He knows how to do that. And people want, they want him to be a little obliged to them, right? So that part, being a lobbyist might have helped, but people didn't know that. And should a lobbyist be the head of the GOP or should an active politician be ahead? Is that kind of like double dipping and influence, right? If they're already a state lawmaker, do they need to be chair of the party too? Because that's allowed. What I'm driving at, we don't have any ethics bylaw or even any disclosure required to, to run for party office. And a friend of mine, you know, Bill Olson, had proposed really a very good uh, proposal to to change that, to say, you know what, we need ethics. And if not anything else, we at least need disclosure. We at least need them on a forum to say, you know, I'm I'm on this city commission, or I'm on the school board, or I'm a full-time paid lobbyist, right? Or And I lobby for this, right? So that, that way they would know, because you know, you can kind of move the levers and you can you can put all this money behind a candidate. Well, maybe that candidate's in your pet area, right? Maybe he's the guy that, you know, if you get him elected, he's going to he's going to fill your your lobbyist office with all kinds of cash. Right. So there can be mixed, you know, mixed motives there. I think the Utah GOP does need an ethics bylaw. Um, I hate to say committee, but to enforce that, you need the committee. Hopefully, you don't need to enforce it. Hopefully, if it's a disclosure rule, people comply. Uh, if you find out later they didn't fully comply, then you got to figure out, well, what's what's the punishment here? Do they have to step down? Do they have to um, get kicked out? Well, that, that can all be discussed by an ethics committee, which I, I do hate ethics committees because they sound like a witch hunt, but but we really, it's better than nothing. We really should have something. Um, disclosure at the very least. And a lot of people, a lot of conservatives don't like the fact that there's all these state reps who, who are also on the SEC, and that could be changed. I think the governor should stay. The federal delegation should stay. They should have a say. I do believe in the party. Some would, some would argue with me on that, that they already have enough influence. But I think someone like the governor, if he's in the GOP, he needs to have a voice in the GOP. He's one of the de facto leaders of the party. Um, the Utah legislature, by the way, is also kind of light on ethics. They have some disclosure requirements, but not many rules. And then you have these gray areas, like the, the governor's office of economic development, DOED. Uh, those people, if they file to get reimbursed for some expense they had, it's not questioned. They just get reimbursed. And they've been funded at 60 to $80 million a year. And this might explain why Commissioner Tanner Ainge from Utah County has decided to resign his commissioner job, which people fight pretty hard for that, and take a seat on the governor's uh, Office of Economic Development, just like another state senator did. Um, and I'm not saying it's all shady, but it sure does give question marks. There's unaccountable money going out the door. When I talked with Representative Waldrop last night at a House meeting, you know, we brought that up. And he said, you know, I am not for unaccountable money. The people need to know where this money's going. And so I think just like your company might reimburse you for a flight and a rental car and a hotel, that's fine. Uh, and even your food and stuff, but but not just, oh, I, I spent 200,000 on my, my economic development trip to Hawaii, you need to pay me back. There needs to be a little bit of accountability. 
So we'll talk some more about that. Um, but do try to pay attention. Do talk to your activist friends about who's going to run for chair and vice chair. They all matter. Sometimes the chair has to drop out to run for something else. And that vice chair, boom, he or she's in there. So let's keep our eye on that ball. And we'll talk more about uh, county conventions, a little bit of national news roundup. We'll get back to the break. All right, welcome back to Path Forward Utah with Bob McEntee, your host, talking about national and state level and some county uh, political issues and news. Well, we were just talking about the, the upcoming GOP state convention, Saturday, May 1st. Uh, Weber County, that's my county. We've got that on May 8th, Saturday, May 8th. It, we're going to try for an in-person one because we're not going to be quite as big. And we think we can do like a hybrid thing where most people are going to be in person and some can join by Zoom. Um, so you, again, you need to look at who is running for that and consider who deserves your vote. They'll answer your questions, by the way. And it's good to ask and then tell your friends. But I also discussed the need that, that we could really use some ethics bylaws and an ethics committee uh, in the GOP just to, just to try to get some disclosure, make sure people aren't um, doing things without anybody knowing why they're doing it. That's, that's one of the points of ethics disclosure. Um, now, one thing I see in Utah, boy, it sure is easy to like the nice people, isn't it? It really is. But in politics, that's a mistake. Just because someone is nice doesn't mean they're going to represent you like you would want to be represented, right? Because they're going to translate their personality into a yes or no vote, or maybe they'll abstain once in a while. Um, you want to find out where they stand on the issues. And I, I do give an extra star rating to like, you know, House representation, Senate, Senate leaders and all that. If they'll respond and communicate with you, you know, if they at least engage, you know, they're thinking about it. Um, they may not always agree with you and they're pretty good at, you know, deftly handling that. But if they will at least engage, that's a healthy sign. So try to engage your representative. I talked to the, the one last night, Representative Waldrop. He says, he responds to about 97, 98% of texts and emails. Um, I don't know which ones he doesn't respond to. Maybe he's picky about if, if someone just rants at him. It's understandable. But he actually, I've seen his emails. They get they get passed around because he will give a thoughtful response. And even though he's not the most conservative legislator, I will I will say that I do like that he's responsive and thoughtful with his constituents. And he will explain his votes. Um, and he'll think about what you say. He says he definitely takes that grassroots input to consider what should we do on bills? You know, what should we do on taxes or what are the priorities? You know, his, his big priority is education, for example. Um, now, let's go back to national news for just a minute. Remember, I, I spoke a week or two ago, probably both, about the usdebtclock.org. Boy, that is a fun one to keep your eye on. Caution, epileptics. We don't want you to seize up because it's got all these colors and moving numbers because the debt rises really fast. And... The Democrats and the federal level have plans to make it to make it rise even faster. Um, I don't think you want that. It's getting it's getting pretty high up, and at some point, um, you know, they don't want to buy our bonds, or if they want to buy our bonds to finance the debt, it's at a higher interest rate, and that makes it all less manageable. Um, now, I think. Uh, my friend Bill Olson there just wrote me back about, I, I said, hey, do you want to join us today for this segment on ethics? But 
So maybe we'll get a guest on next week because I think we might have a shot next week. It's a little late now, but um, to talk about the need for an ethics bylaw in the state GOP and probably your county too. We have a little bit in Weber County. We instituted some of that. It's always easier to get get things going at the county level and then the state later. Um, The debt clock's one. Number two, there was just this week negotiations in Alaska between U.S. and China. And uh-oh, I will say that's pretty bad because the Chinese, they they mocked our Biden administration negotiators. They made fun of them. That's really bad because in China, making someone lose face is very serious. I mean, they'd probably just rather have a duel than lose face, right? So to me, this tells us that they don't respect us like they used to. And they may not take us that seriously. I mean, they know, just like Russia knows, I, I, I hate to say these things, but, but war planners around the world know the U.S. has a glaring vulnerability and we don't have our grid hardened. And unfortunately, if Texas hardens it, maybe that's not such a big deal. But if the U.S. starts to do it, then you make all the war planners go, well, gosh, they're going to be done hardening their grid in about three years. <laughs> that gives us this window now to still knock them on their back. So it's kind of dangerous while you're putting your armor on. You know, that's the best time to shoot you with an arrow when you're, you're, you're stripped down, and you're putting your armor on. Well, they know once you get your armor on, you can defend yourself. And that's the problem with without a hardened grid, we're vulnerable to the sun, to solar storms, a CME, that's coronal mass ejection, um, like an X10 solar flare, which we missed a few years ago, or to anybody with that sets a nuke off even 50, 60 miles above us that won't won't mess up your hair, but it'll take out the grid for, and not for overnight, not for three or four days like Texas. It'll it'll melt the transformers that take a year or more to build. That's the problem. That's why all these Air Force people, veterans are panicky about it. They're like, oh my gosh, such a vulnerability. And you would have think we'd fixed it, but we didn't. And everybody knows it. All the war planners in the whole world know it. North Korea knows it. And we also, now they're making these things that, are not nuclear. They can fly like a drone that's got a big battery and they can they can zap a town, right? They can't zap like a whole state or an entire grid, but they could take uh, blocks out of a town, which if you want to hit like Wall Street or Washington, D.C., wouldn't those be prime targets? You know, I mean, sorry, but I'm a, I'm a former Air Force war planner and that's what I would do. That would mess us up. We wouldn't know what hit us, right? And just for fun, maybe take out a couple other places too. It's always fun to take out somewhere where they don't expect it. You know, take out Wichita just because you can. And Wichita thought it was safe, right? Because it's not a big strategic location. But you just take it out to go, yeah, we can we can hit you anywhere we want. Then you can do a ransom or you can say, you just sit on your hands while we while we go take back Taiwan. That's what the Chinese can do. And I think when they show this kind of disrespect, uh-oh, uh-oh. Now, they did not show that kind of disrespect to President Trump, did they? Not at all. Uh, so we, I hope, I hope they firm up their footing. I hope we can get reasonably tough with China, not provocatively tough, but reasonably tough. Now, there's something else going on, too, at the congressional level. The the democratically controlled Congress is thinking about expelling a member. Congress has that power. People are always like, how can we get rid of Mitt Romney? Some people, you know, it's maybe a a quarter of Republicans are always, how can we get, well, you can't get rid of him. There's, There's no refunds on senator. However, they can resign. That's one way. Most are more like Andrew Cuomo, like they're not going to resign unless, you know, it's huge. And number two, the Senate or the House can expel members. Now, anybody want to guess the last time they expelled a member? Oh, was it under Obama? Was it, you know, was it under Trump? No, it was the U.S. Civil War. They don't like to do that because payback is rough, right? 
And so they don't want the payback because Congress switches over every few years. The control of it tends to. But this Democratic Congress is thinking about kicking out Marjorie Green from, I kind of forget it. She's from one of the Southern states, right? She's a conservative Republican. She was a big Trump supporter. Um, she was willing to say the words voter fraud on the, on the Congress floor. And those are the words you may not utter, right? That's, that's your liberty and freedom stops at the words voter fraud. And YouTube will kick off your video. Uh, Facebook will put up the sign or, or kick you off of Facebook and say that, you know, it's inaccurate. Fraud, don't they? Voter fraud, voter fraud. But if they kick her out, that will be history making and that will be bad. It, I say that's actually very foreboding because Mitt Romney voting to impeach a president, that had never happened in U.S. history. So what I'm telling you, we're starting to hit these markers that, that you don't usually have unless there's a war, revolution or civil war going on. So, uh-oh. And debt makes a country unstable. And we've got a massive debt. You just look at that usdebtclog.org and you can see we have more debt than anybody in the history of the world, unfortunately. Now we have a lot, we have a big economy, right? And so President Trump was trying to grow it because you, you can grow your way out of a big debt, right? So if you, if you do good things to make your economy bigger and there's, there's more jobs and some more taxes coming in, and less cost of, of paying people for welfare and stuff, then you, you have a chance to pay that debt down. But if you subsidize everybody, if you send checks out every few months, if you spend trillions, you know, on stuff that you're not going to get paid back for, which, you know, infrastructure spending, maybe you will. Maybe you'll get some payback on that. But just checks to people. Speaking of, you can still help people privately, and you should, because I will tell you, not everybody's getting more of those checks. Even though they want to get them to everybody, people that have debt, you know, the debt collectors are going to get that check. Or people that didn't file taxes in 2019, they, they picked a bad year not to file taxes. They're not getting a check. So tomorrow morning, my fellow procrastinators, 9 a.m. is the time the Utah Food Bank has asked you to put, put the canned or plastic goods out on your front porch, right, your front step front door, they'll come and pick it up. And they probably dropped off something, but if not, I would try anyway. So don't be late, because I usually go, oh, that was today, like 1 p.m. I go, oh, that was today, wasn't it, right? And I forget that the post office, the Utah Food Bank, but I actually got my stuff early, and so should you. So when you go shopping today, buy some cans of tuna, chicken, soup, uh, peanut butter in the plastic containers, no glass. Um, then we can talk about some more stuff. I one thing I didn't hit was, isn't it interesting that in past elections, either party that put a woman on the presidential ticket, they lost, right? It's just interesting. And then the, Biden puts Kamala Harris on, who was the first Democrat to drop out because even her party didn't want her as president or vice president. Um, he puts her on the ticket and he gets more votes than ever. That, that is curious, my friends. So remember, Utah Food Bank is tomorrow. Watch those gas prices. Think about energy policy. And if you're in Texas, support Senate Bill 1606. Thank you. God bless you. And we'll talk next week. Pure 